Hi, I'm Jarvis Smith, and this is our My Green Pod business series, a four-episode series uh, being released around COP27, which is when most businesses and most people are going to be focused on this road to net zero. Our first episode is aligning your sustainability and IT strategies. Now, we can't divorce technology from business. You know, they depend on one another. And we therefore want to be able to provide you with an understanding of how technology can affect a a business's carbon production and reduction. So the topics that we're going to be discussing in this episode are driving carbon out of cloud architecture and consumption, considering more responsible consumption, and how can we move to cloud and rethink how we consume IT and therefore drive more sustainability, and of course the role of hyperscalers and their role in driving this. So welcome our first four speakers on the first episode of our COP27 edition. Um, I'd like to welcome, firstly, Stuart Phillips, who's the Chief Digital Architect at Fujitsu, um, Jerry Levin, who is uh, Field Chief Technology Officer at Citrix. Welcome. Eric Z, uh, CEO and founder of Go Code Green. And lastly, but by no means least, we've got Romy Vaness from Amazon Web Services. Welcome, all of you. So this, this edition is obviously aligning your sustainability and IT strategies, which you're all clearly experts in. I'd, I'd like to start with you, Stuart. So Fujitsu's customers span you know, global geographies and all industries. So where are the biggest problems your customers are facing today? Yes, that's an interesting question. Um, and I think, you know, Fujitsu is a global SI, so we work with customers in a lot of different industries, a lot of different markets, and each of those markets have their own unique problems, and each industry will have those unique problems. I mean, there are common themes that kind of cut across them, things like commitments to climate change, that kind of thing. Um, but it really depends on who in the customer's business that you're talking to about those problems. So sustainability problems for a CEO, for example, will be very different to the problems that a CTO will have. You know, they'll range from things like, you know, market commitments, um, pressures from investors, the traceability in the supply chain, ESG data capture, legislation, energy usage, especially now in the energy crisis. It's a really long list. I think the most common problem is where do you start? And I think that's quite an overwhelming question or an overwhelming problem for a lot of organisations. And so there's always, you know, there's, there's this common problem. So data is always a hot topic, you know, especially around things like energy usage, fuel consumption, that kind of thing. You know, ESG data is still very much processed in Excel. Um, so, for example, it could take several months to take um, data from you know, electricity or gas usage and have that rolled up from branch offices to like a central group function, um, which is pretty late to course correct. If you're thinking about that's like a 12 month cycle and you miss a lot of opportunity, you know, opportunity to understand what's working well and you know, what's going wrong. Uh, and that's pretty important because that ties into a lot of other problems. Um, but then there's things like scope through emissions as well. You know, so calculating scope through emissions when you have a broad supply chain is incredibly complicated. Uh, so more often than not, it's done on things like estimated models, that kind of thing. Um, and then there's uh, things like uh, innovation. I mean, innovation is a big problem for organisations. Um, you know, it's often done in silos and it's often, you know, single teams own the kind of upside and the downside of innovation. Um, but in the sustainability world, innovation is not something that you can really do in isolation. So it needs a lot of integration with academia, with partners, with um, you know suppliers, that kind of thing. Um, but I think if you're kind of coming back to it, I think that that kind of core problem is is where do you start? Um, and I think, but we kind of talk to people about it from two different perspectives. 
Um, I think the first perspective that we really talk about is the greening of technology. Um, so there's a lot of actions that our technology teams can do today in terms of greening technology, you know, from reducing energy consumption in data centers, you know, being really conscious of the footprint of devices that we use, um, so rebuilding applications and services with you know, low carbon architectures, even things like cloud migrations. Um, but you go from kind of the greening of technology to the greening with technology. And I think that's an important step for organizations to understand as well. I think with greening with technology, that's just a huge range of opportunity. You know, you're talking about potentially optimizing business models, things like demand management for energy usage, that kind of thing, all the way through to the potential for things like digital transformation, so entirely new business models. So I think what this really comes back to for me is that problem is that journey of greening of technology to greening with technology. I think for me, that's all about aligning IT strategy with sustainability strategy. Yeah, thank you. That's a really good overview. And I really appreciate the fact that you've mentioned the scope three and the data because our future episodes, we're actually having focus episodes on those two very important subject matters. So thank you for mentioning those. I can see you all nodding in the background as well, Eric and, and Jerry. I mean, is there anything, and, and Romy, is there anything that you might quite like to add just as, just as we open up this topic for conversation? Uh, just on, you know, comments Stuart made there about sort of greening of and greening with IT. I think for, for companies who are just trying to find somewhere to start, that greening of IT is often a great, a great place to, to begin, right? Look at the low-hanging fruit. Look at the, the devices, the applications, the, the locations of the, those, that data and their, you know, their energy usage profiles and start there. But I think it's then opening up those opportunities to look at the business processes. That can be the next step. But that, that's often longer term and needs broader commitment. So when I speak to, to IT leaders in this space, they're often looking for very actionable things they can do because they're often not experts in sustainability. Some of them are, are and many of them are educating themselves. But I think it's a real opportunity to say to somebody, hey, you could start here and then this opens up other possibilities afterwards. Uh, yeah, I was, I was listening to Stuart and I was kind of thinking, you know, that if you're a business leader today, there are almost four pressures you're facing. You know, um, there's the, the pressure of upcoming regulation. There's a pressure, as Stuart says, of your your investors and shareholders. Then there's these two other pressures around end, end, your end consumers and actually your people and your staff. And each of, each of those groups actually are, are formed of people. Uh, and, and I guess there's, there's the challenge. That these groups of people are now starting to want to change and shift mindset around this stuff. Yeah, they want action, and so individually, people are taking action. They're now expecting the businesses they work in to also take action, and I think that's that's what probably one of the biggest challenges as a business leader you're going to face over the next couple of years is how do you transition from you know you need to do something to all those pressures coming together and you having to respond. And I, I think to that, Eric, as well, they're not independent pressures either. So your consumers want you to be greener and more sustainable, but not at the cost of poor you know, customer experience. So you have to, there's, a, there's a balancing act businesses have to do there. Yeah, great. And Romy, did you have anything to add to that? Thank you. I think it's very relatable, exactly, um, especially the fact also that I think 70% of the solutions required to hit the targets don't exist today. So exactly that innovation piece is quite a challenge for a lot of businesses, and we see them approaching us for that reason as well. Um, so yeah, once again, trying to collaborate as much as possible, but also look at what is possible today 
um, is definitely a big problem we see. Yeah, I'm glad you've I'm glad you've talked about that because the gap is is huge, isn't it? In terms of where we need to get to in the space of time and and where we are today, huge vast cavern in between. And that brings me nicely, actually, to you know when it comes to aligning um, the sustainability and IT strategies within organisations. Um, what are some of the major issues or problems that are currently in play? Um, Eric, can we start with you? Yeah, I mean, so again, as a business leader, and you're listening to this, and you're thinking, why does IT even matter? You know, I've got I've got other challenges. You know, um, and, and you know, to put it into perspective, I think the ICT sector, so information and communications technology. It accounts for something like four to seven percent, depends who you ask, of global emissions. So your tech matters, yeah. And as a digital first business, which most you know most people are trying to achieve if they haven't already, um, that IT stack is absolutely critical to your business, and therefore you know has, has, you can see the, the correlation between being critical to your business and the potential impact it has on greenhouse gas emissions. You know, we, we, we often kind of look at digital businesses and think, well, actually, if software is at the heart of that, how, how do you then start to make a material change? If you can make your software more energy efficient, more carbon aware, you can effectively affect the whole of the technology value chain that sits beneath it. So that understanding of those, those cumulative effects almost, those interrelated things that are in your IT are, is really, really important. And we look at some of those numbers. I mean, you know, Jarvis, you look like a you look like a high school musical fan, right? Um, <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> so, 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 I'll to take bring that. To life, <laughs> in terms of like the digital impact, in, in terms of what's going on here. So, I think um, as a high school musical fan, you will know that Olivia Rodrigo launched a driver's license last year, and it went viral, right, on Spotify. Um, the number of streams in a year. Uh, from that one song, I think someone account, uh, calculated as being something like 4,200 tonnes of CO2. So, basically go start digging 200,000 holes to plant some trees to sequester that. But the, the point being that those our, our digital businesses have this knock-on impact, which some of us don't even really understand. And so what, one of the challenges, I think, is understanding you know, being more transparent about measuring the impact of your digital estate. Yeah. The second, the second thing I think is that we have old ways of working. Still, you know, we have old governance rules, old investment decisioning cycles, and the problem we've got right now needs us not to have those in place. It needs us to be far more dynamic and, and responsive to the things that we have to do now. And so I think that one of the biggest challenges is you have to rethink that. You have to rethink those processes. You have to rethink parts of the organization you work in to actually support the innovation, support the action at a pace that we probably are uncomfortable with. That, that changing shift is really, really important. And, and, and the other part, the last thing I'd say is that, you know, in a, in a business, and in the big business and big organization, you have untold power to actually make change, actually. So even if you think about it, you know, I think, uh, Stuart, you said something about scope three and the amount of you know, impact that your scope three has in a business. I mean, I think so the carbon trust say, could be up to 90% of your emissions, okay? The ability to shift your procurement and supply chain decisioning to be able then to look at your supply chain's carbon emissions 
is actually really, really important. And it's not something that many, many organizations are doing at the right level right now. So, so really, you're going to have to power that up and really start to invest in making sure you understand that. But the lovely point about that is that you, you apply almost inverse pressure on your supply chain to be better. And, and that starts to then generate change as well. So I think there's, there's challenges, but there's also real opportunities to do something different and to, and to actually make a real structural impact in this space. And IT is at the very heart of some of that. Yeah, I love that because it's a, it's a wider scope of, of consciousness when you're thinking about the business. You're not just on this kind of trajectory. You're on this kind of full, in, full inclusive um, uh, process. And I, I love that. I mean, I, we've got to be thinking like that. Otherwise, you know, we're, <laughs> we're not going to reach our target in the time that we need to reach it. I mean, I, I think it's brilliant um, the way you've opened that up, actually. And I, what I'd like to do, Jerry, maybe we can start with you, is, is, sure. is looking at, you know, the solutions, because Citrix is an organization that's been very solution-based, particularly in the time that I've been working with you for the last two or three years. So, you work with a lot of IT companies, which seem to be quite a big issue, quite a lot of data usage there. And um, from your experience and you know, your area of expertise, what are some of the ways that organizations are reducing emissions, um, particularly around IT, and anything that really stands out as really innovative, like quite inspirational and, and something that's kind of just made you think in, in, in different ways? Yeah, I think, I think just to, just to follow up, uh, and I'll, I'll come directly to your question in a second, Jarvis, but just to follow up on something Eric said about people not realizing the impact of IT, um, I think that's very real. I think I've seen in the last 18 months, people are much more aware of that, right? Due to things that we've seen on, on the media and conversations that IT leaders are having with, among themselves and among their vendors. But I think one thing that IT are also realizing is that their ability to change at real pace. Um, and we saw that proved out during the pandemic. And what that gives is an opportunity to make real changes to something that has real impact. So if ICT is, as Eric said, you know, 4% plus of global emissions, but unlike we'll say bricks and mortar or the HVAC uh, systems in the building, or where you pour concrete if you're in utilities, or what your bank branches are, are like, or, or you know, how they're built today. IT can change at a, at a faster pace than that. And we can change from you know, the, the sort of, at the, the code line level, where we can take better practices there, all the way up to where we store that data, the networks we use to transfer it around. So there's a real opportunity there at a, at a, a very high level um, to, to make, impact and make it really really quickly as well but specifically back to the question you asked i think people when we talk to people we talk to them generally in the end user compute space so what their end users are using to get their jobs done and what the back-end systems are that they they require for that so i think one of the first things we look at is really the devices that they're using um, and could we use lower energy more cost-effective, more sustainable devices for those as well. So we've a number of interesting case studies out there about how we've done that in different sectors and how those solutions fit differently into different sectors. So we did some work in the, with the University of Cambridge around Raspberry Pi devices, and they really suited the users who are using those, right? Uh, students who wanted to do things, be innovative with their own devices. 
that probably wouldn't work for, we'll say, somebody, a knowledge worker, maybe who has to do month in, you know, month closures in the financial services sector. So again, it's finding those lower energy devices that suit those particular needs. Um, that could be a, a Google Chromebook. It could be the Raspberry Pi that I mentioned. So I think we're seeing a lot of that, a lot of innovation in the space. We, we did some work with a public sector organization, um, one of the London boroughs, again, moving their users to lower energy devices, but at the same time, letting them work um, in different ways away, letting them reimagine how they work. So the greening of IT, to Stuart's point, allowing them to green with IT to achieve other outcomes on that as well. I think on the where your data is stored space, we're seeing people taking advantage of the f efficiencies that the hyperscalers like um, AWS, or that Romy will talk about, you know, taking advantage of the, the, in, uh, the investments they've made to make their data centers more efficient. And I've seen real world examples. I speak to somebody from a pharmaceutical company and they were pleasantly surprised, shall we say, by the amount of savings that they had. They had projected X amount of savings. It was two times the amount of savings that they were able to do that. Well, Citrix come into that mix is helping them move those workloads there and then adding a different additional efficiencies on there, right? Making sure that your servers, your workloads are only turned on when they're actually needed and you know, not being used when they're, when they're not needed as well. So both financial and, and sustainability benefits on that. I think on the device side as well, we're seeing a lot of interest in longer device usage. Um, there's an interesting article in the, one of the newspapers today talking about the hyperscalers themselves using their servers for longer. Um, so again, you know, the, a lot of concern about data privacy, which ends up in things like hard drives getting shredded rather than reused. So again, innovation that could be done in that space to make sure that we can reuse equipment, remanufacture equipment, provide it out to people who are less digitally fortunate than, than, than many of us as well. So I think that's one area that reuse, the recycling, the remanufacturing that, that's starting to grow as well. And we, you know, we do partnerships in that space with, with people like iGel and, and with Google and others who are doing very interesting things in that space. And I think finally, it's the opportunity to rethink about how you work, where you work, um, what work actually means to people. Because I think we talk a lot about hybrid work, flexible work. I think different organizations are trying to figure out what that means for them. But one of the benefits potentially is just working in locations that are more sustainable and working in ways that are more sustainable. So that becomes IT as an enabler. So I think you know, my, my takeaway when I, from a lot of these conversations, when I meet um, IT leaders or business leaders for that matter, and they ask me, where do I start? I say, look at what you have today, right? The devices that you have already, they're probably the most sustainable ones that you have because you already have them. You don't have to manufacture anymore. So use those for longer. Then next of all, if you have to replace them, use more sustainable ones. And when you're looking at where you're storing all this data and doing all those data, take the most sustainable practices you can. And that's often with partnerships with people who've already invested in this space. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I mean, it brings me very sweetly onto to Romy, who clearly is a, you know, a, a, representing a hyperscale organization that's invested a lot in, uh, in making that operation as sustainable as possible. But what, you know, what, what are the... What other ways that AWS have, have you know, helped to really make this happen uh, for businesses? Yeah, I think if you want to look at the hyperscaler role or Amazon Web Services 
use for sustainability for our customers and businesses. I think you also want to look at that model that Stuart kind of touched upon earlier, it's the of, right? Sustainability of the cloud, sustainability in the cloud, sustainability through the cloud. And I think each of those three dimensions can help customers drive um, sustainability agendas. And in particular, the one of, right, that Jared has talked upon now is that we can utilize the efficiencies that we have had as part of our scale to drive down carbon footprint of IT workloads that are running in our data centers. And this is really part of the commitments we are on as a hyperscaler, as AWS, right? We want to be net zero by 2040. We want to be 100% renewable. So as part of that, we've been investing across our supply chain to be as sustainable as possible from using renewable energy across the supply chain to the way we do the life cycles of our racks and servers. Um, and as a result of that, customers can gain efficiency uh, through putting the same workload on AWS can actually get them to reduce 80% carbon footprint with the same workloads, right? So that's a good example of how the hyperscaler efficiencies can help uh, improve for targets. But also once you're in it, right, you don't want to just leave it there. You want to use the cloud as a way of generating more efficiencies through uh, re-architecting for sustainability. We have best practices on how to make architectures more sustainable. Like Eric said, moving away from the abundance of scalability and availability to a more uh, nuanced way of doing IT, right? Putting the SLAs in connection with sustainability and doing resource use in a more uh, appropriate way in terms of um, the environment. So that's available, but also the bigger opportunity is also there if you look at the through the cloud, right? Once you're in it, you have this, uh, you have state-of-the-art technology at the tip of your fingers. You can use AI, IoT, machine learning to start building services that can help optimize automatically to build large data platforms that help you share with your supply chain in terms of carbon information. Um, so stuff like that is all where hyperscalers can help. Wow, wow, it's amazing. Is, um, would anybody, I could see you all kind of you know, thinking, I could see you all thinking as, as when we were speaking, is, is there anything that you, you, you'd like to add to that from, obviously from, you know, uh, the perspective of not being involved in the hyperscale organization, but actually using uh, some of those um, functionalities and technologies? So I think from my perspective, one of the things that I really love about cloud platforms is the potential for things like continuous optimization. Um, so when we talk about continuous optimization, a lot of people kind of reference that or think about it in terms of a cost perspective. But with things like, you know, infrastructure as code and all the automation that we have today, you know, you don't have to necessarily consume resources where you just kind of scale them up or scale them down. You know, when you don't need them anymore, you can delete them. There's so many opportunities there for that continuous optimization piece. And I think we're only just really kind of scratching the surface with that. Um, I think I just want to go back to one of the points that Eric raised earlier as well about why does IT matter? I think one of the great things about being a technologist, right, is that we can put these kind of changes in place, whether it's automation or scripting or code, those kinds of things. But those tiny little things, even if it just turns out to be, you know, a paper cut in the grand scheme of things, if you take a paper cut and you multiply it by scale, and you multiply it by time, it's these things that turn into really big impacts really, really quickly. I think, again, that's one of the things that you really get from cloud is just that ability to be able to experiment and try these things, but to do it very, very quickly. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I like the idea that Roman, when you're talking about actually understanding the business processes and migrating things that actually matter to the cloud, you know, just don't chuck everything onto it because that's not the answer. Um, 
you know, when, when, when we talk to business leaders now at GoCo Green, what we talk about is think about your value chain, your business value chain, yeah, and start to migrate those value chains into the cloud. And then, and then to your point, Stuart, and then once you've got that value chain in the cloud, um, then start to optimize. Yeah, so, so when you're looking at value chains, that's a really neat way of extracting anything that's, you know, so, you know, that you don't need anymore, right? So you're moving the thing that matters. And actually, that's a really effective and you know, cost-effective way of, of thinking about your, your cloud strategy. To add to that briefly, I think there's the opportunity, first off, to modernize, which gives you know, those efficiencies right, that, that come with cloud, the ability to scale up and scale down, the ability to do on-demand. But I think to, you know, to the point the others were making here, is that the next opportunity afterwards is really to optimize and transform, right? How can we do things differently? And I think what scale, what cloud does is the ability to do that iteratively, as Stuart talked about, right? Um, I think I think in the early days of of you know of, of hyperscalers and cloud, there was a sense that if you took everything you had on premises and just chucked it up there, it would automatically become something new and different and whatever. Um, but I, I, people over time have realized that we need a process that goes into this to, you know, to make some real business outcomes on that. I, and I think, again, it probably comes back to those two pillars that Stuart talked about, right? Use the, the modernization capabilities of cloud to achieve greener IT and then use that as the foundation to do more and better and differently um, and by more, I mean less, <laughs> if that makes sense, I less emissions, um, but do it, you know, do, do differently, look at other ways that you can use, you know, some of the areas, especially around AI for optimizing business practices. Um, but use that, you have to have that foundation in place, um, before you can make those, those changes. And then over time you can iterate those. And, uh, I, I like Stuart's, you know, paper cut analogy. Mm. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Remy, did you want to add anything on to the end of that? Yeah, I think I want to sort of round that up by saying, you know, when you're moving to the cloud, I think a lot of stakeholders are working on the digital transformation of the business, right? Finding new ways of working to utilize the elasticity, the innovation. But here it's also important once again to bring it, bring together the stakeholders of sustainability and IT, because the transformation can actually be done together, right? If you do the sustainable transformation together with IT transformation, which is called twin transformation, you can actually perhaps accelerate the development of solutions that are focused on sustainability while also optimizing the way you work from a tech perspective. So don't feel threatened by, oh my God, I have so much to transform. You can actually do them together if you then again bring your stakeholders closer. So. Yeah, fabulous. Thank you. That's nicely rounded off. Appreciate it. So, Stuart, just coming back to you know, the issues that you told us that customers are, are facing, certainly at Fujitsu um, and beyond. Um, how are you bringing together IT and the business to address these? Like, what what's the what are the solutions? <laughs> um, so, so I think organisations and people they they really want to make a difference, and I think it's now now is the time we have to capitalise on that kind of enthusiasm, you know, that energy and education. But it's also about connecting IT. And so I think there was a point just raised there about connecting IT and sustainability professionals. Um, you know, sustainability can be quite a broad and complex field. Um, and you know, it's very difficult for sustainability professionals to get the tools or the technology that they need to be able to make an impact and vice versa from an IT professional perspective. Sometimes it would be quite difficult to understand the impact of the solutions and applications um, that we put together. And I think that that's just where people need to think differently. 
you know, IT does have a huge potential in being able to help with our sustainability challenges and goals. Um, but we, you know, we've got to be careful about focusing just on the greening of technology. I think the balance needs to be there between the focusing of greening of technology to greening with technology, because that's where the really big impacts will come from, is taking those digital paper cuts and really adding scale to them. Um, so one of the things that we do to really bring together people uh, within this space is we have a neat little consulting tool called a problem canvas and it's a great way to kind of map out all the problems from an organization in terms of you know whether it's sustainability emissions those kinds of things but it's a great way to visually map out those problems and what that does it gives you a kind of a visual map but now instead of just having pockets of innovation or pockets of solutions within your organization you're really now starting to bring people together in a visual space so they can really understand the impact of everything. So going back to one of the points that Eric raised about the kind of impact of your value chain is to really explore that and to really focus your efforts on, well, how do we actually solve these problems? Uh, and one of the things that we do, I mean, we, we talk potentially about how, how we can bring people together around this. That, that one mechanism is a great tool for that. But then it's being able to give people a platform to influence change as well. So I think the very first thing that we do as part of that conversation is start to normalize the conversation about sustainability to normalize it in technology teams, normalize it in pretty much any meeting that you have in, within the business. And the reason being is the more that you talk about this, the more that it empower others to talk about it. And that's how you make change in any organization. So for us, it's really about how do we bring people together, get them to understand the context of the problems, but then just to share ideas to inspire each other. Mm. I think again, that's how you start with change. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And uh, of course, it's yeah, in your field, of course, it's going to be normalized. But as you say to, to those business owners out there, they've got a multitude of things to be thinking about. Um, you know, it, it's good to get that into the into the framework of that. Thank you for that. I'd like to and you've kind of you know really touched upon this already. I'd like to open this up to, to the others, um, you know, what a question i guess to give to our listeners you know what 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 is a, a kind of a really tangible takeaway um that you would offer that you've either worked on or you're seeing happening or you know something that it absolutely must be a must do today um what would you what would you kind of end with um in in that shape i can see Roma, you're nodding there so maybe i could start with you um, what would your your takeaway be, please? I think my takeaway would definitely be that collaboration internally. So bringing your sustainability stakeholders together with your IT stakeholders from both perspectives. So let sustainability people have a look at what IT means for sustainability and the other way around. What can IT mean for them in terms of, in terms of solution builds and see where that goes and use that as an initial digital sustainable venture for your business. Great, I like that. And uh, Eric, should we move to you? Yeah, so as a business leader listening to this, use your power, you know, take the responsibility and start to take action. You know, do that from tomorrow. And one of the most tangible ways I think you can do that in a big organization, because big big businesses love love a target, they love a OKR, they love a metric and a, and a key performance indicator. Put sustainable IT into your into into the into your metrics from tomorrow, because you, you harness your organisation to go and deliver that as a result. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, fantastic. I might come back to you on that in a minute. But Jerry, what would your takeaway be? I think look at your supply chain really not just as a way of reducing your scope three, but using their skill sets to help you really achieve what you need. 
Um, I think we, we talked today, Stuart talked about um, language and how in some ways IT and the business talk different language, IT and um, sustainability professionals talk different languages and different terminologies. I think bringing together external experts, people in your community, your suppliers, your upstreams, your downstreams, people who've done more of this, you can build that partnership and have those conversations and, and start talking to them now. They can talk about the measures they can put in, how they you know, decarbonize their own supply chain, little initiatives that they did, because I often think people are so overwhelmed by what seems a very overwhelming problem that having just having ideas about what other people did first as a first start is, is really, really powerful. And then that's the power of conversation. You uncover things you didn't know. If Eric hadn't been here today, I would not have known about your musical taste, Jarvis. So that's an example <laughs> of, how, of how we can all come together and discover things. But to be slightly less facetious, I think it's, it's that opportunity. And you know, I've seen that. I've been asked directly um, by some of our customers, what have you done at Citrix? Are you ahead of us? Are you behind us? Is there anything you can share about what worked, what didn't work? And that wasn't even from a product perspective. That's what we're doing internally to try and measure our own. So use that supply chain, use those partnerships and, and, and use them now. Mm, very good. Very good. Great, solid advice. And Stuart, we'll loop back round to you again. Um, anything to add on, on the end? Yeah, so I think something really quick and simple that you can do in pretty much all delivery teams is just allocate 10 to 15 minutes at the, you know, a sprint retrospective to discuss what you've done in that sprint towards contributing to your sustainability targets. But more importantly, what you think you can do better, better in the next sprint to be able to contribute. And the great thing about this is it generally it costs nothing. But what you're doing is you're using this as a cultural tool. It's a tool to really just start implanting that conversation about sustainability to start normalizing it. And, you know, when you're ready, kind of move on a little bit and think about allocating like half a story point, half of one story point in a sprint to do something to contribute towards your sustainability targets. And these are only small changes. And we talked about the digital paper cuts. But you do enough of the digital paper cuts, it will really add up to big changes. So it's just small little steps that will add up to big impacts. Yeah, fantastic. I love that. And uh, yeah, we are coming to the close of the episode. Um, and I really appreciate those takeaways. I think all of our listeners will really appreciate those too. Is there, would any one of you kind of stand out and there, there's, a, there's a real moment in your uh, IT and sustainability journey that you thought, wow, this is a real game changer? Um, we've got a, you know, just, a, just a 30 seconds to a minute on each of you if there's anything that shines. If there isn't, it's absolutely fine, but I'd just love to see whether there's that bit of magic uh, that's happened in your lives over this time. The magic, the magic for me was, you know, because we're, we're a, we're a small climate tech business, but the magic for us was when we actually started to codify the, the greenhouse gas protocol, ICT sector guidance, and actually make that a consistent uh, you know, ability to actually calculate carbon emissions. And so what we, we are working with firms now where we are actually able to help them decarbonize their digital products and services. That transition and working with, you know, the likes of Jerry, Romy and Stuart to be able to then affect that in the whole technology value chain has brought something to life for us. So something that was hard to understand, we've now made understandable. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you. Anyone else? So I'll give you an example of where I kind of started this year and I kind of stumbled into it in a sense. 
Um, so we were doing some work looking at energy consumptions of laptops and what we did, we were on a, a certain communication platform one evening and we noticed late at night, you know, a lot of our colleagues had this status set to away. And what they'd been doing is nobody really was shutting down their devices overnight. Um, so what we actually went through is we went through and actually calculated the amount of energy that's wasted from people leaving devices on, you know, leaving them in, you know, low power modes, that kind of thing. Uh, and this is really where that kind of paper cuts analogy came from, because we thought, well, okay, you know, if we turn these devices off, it might save us, you know, five watts or 10 watts in a day or something. And you think, well, who really cares, right? But Fujitsu, we're a 100,000 strong organization. So if only 10% of our colleagues were doing that, the time you add that up in terms of you know just the number of people but then multiply that by scale and multiply it by time it was adding up to hundreds if not well in fact it added up to thousands of kilowatt hours a year which is tons of carbon emissions so just a little change like you know automating the shutdown of devices past the you know 11 12 o'clock at night has saved huge amounts of carbon so it's little things like this that you can just sometimes you stumble into them but they're really easy to find but go and implement them because the small changes they really do add up yeah, lovely, brilliant. That's great. Thank you. Romy, Jerry, anything to anything that kind of got got your heart beating? I think for me is I, I started to become involved more involved in this space probably about three years ago, and it's just the community of people out there that are passionately interested in this in in various ways right very uh, broader than just technology but in in various ways and guises and how you can tap into that community of people so we we created a community within citrix for for those who are you know shared similar goals to make us a you know a, a more sustainable organization and help our customers become more sustainable but we also st i also started to meet a community a very informal unstructured community of people externally as well and from those you cross pollinate ideas and you get you know you get different approaches and different challenges as well that have to be overcome so i think it, it's back to you know having those conversations forming those communities and i think along the way there were a number of there wasn't just one aha moment but there were a number of moments where i think probably when i went like wow the impact of it is greater than i thought but also moments when you came across a customer who made a, you know a simple choice right we're going to go to low energy devices and it has this knock-on benefit or we're going to take a different approach to how we run our data centers and with this knock-on benefit and it's just it, it's great to see those little wins and in the big picture they are little wins but again to, 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 to fall back on Stuart you need lots of little wins right this is this is an ongoing uh, thing that we're going to have to deal with yeah, fabulous, fabulous. And, and Romy, um, you've had a, a bit of extra time to, to, to give us your kind of aha moment. Is there, is there anything you'd like to share? Yeah, I think for me, it's also just seeing from our perspective, the amount of interest that there is to innovate with IT, I think is already a very good sign, making me very happy that people are thinking about it so actively. Um, and also the things we can do at scale, right? For example, we've seen energy customers come to us who have been able to connect thousands of servers and thereby are able to monitor the whole suite of their buildings. Um, that kind of stuff makes a lot of impact if you think about sustainable building management and stuff like that. So um, I'm really pleased to see all that. And also customers who are coming to us to really think about how can we transform, right? How can we move to more creation of value rather than reducing impact? And who really want to collaborate on defining those new solutions and business models. So really forward-looking, future fits, 
uh, is what gets me super excited and what makes me hopeful for the targets that we have set. Romy, thank you ever so much for that. It's really lovely to end on, on what you've said. Thank you, Jerry. Stuart and Eric, it's been absolutely amazing having you on the show. You're such a, a fountain of knowledge and a plethora of content for our organizations to be able to reduce their emissions on this road to net zero. And don't forget to watch out for our next three episodes, which I lightly touched upon today, the scope three, the data and culture. So thank you ever so much for joining us today. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you all again in the very near future. So what a great conversation, loads of information there for businesses to be able to implement into their organizations today. Don't leave this to tomorrow. Take stock, have these conversations. And don't forget, this is the first of four episodes. The following episodes are going to be about people and culture, about data and the importance of that driving down our understanding of reducing emissions. And of course, scope three, that kind of ethereal thing that's in the airways that we all are beginning to understand you know those parts of a reduction in emissions and everything else that's contributing to becoming a solution to the biggest issue of humanity's time so this is the my green pod business podcast and we look forward to seeing you with our next episode next week mm -hmm.